Okay, on page 79, for all those who have these, the regular Tehillah Sashem Siddur, and that is the Shir Shal Yom of Friday, Hayom Yom Shishi Bashabas. The last, um, I think the first, uh, the first time we did Sunday and Monday, last week we did Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and today we'll do Friday. Um, we talked about the idea that by the daily carbon in the Besamikdash, which was called the carbon Tamid, the Levim would sing Shira during the bringing of the carbon, And they would sing a psalm of Tehillim, a chapter of Tehillim, and that's what they would sing together with the musical instruments. And every day they would sing a different psalm connected to the energies of that day. And that's what we say every morning towards the end of davening, which davening, of course, in many ways is reminiscent of the Karbanis. So we also sing this, or, or say, the Shir Shal Yim, the song of the day. And every day a different psalm, again, connected with that day. Friday, we say this psalm, which is 93 in Tehillim, Sadiq Gimel. And it's really about Hashem's Malchus, Hashem's kingdom. The words begin, Hashem Malach Geus Lavish. Hashem uh, reigned as a king and garbed himself in the garb of monarchy. It was a garb of oiz, of, of strength, and Hashem surrounds himself with it. And with that, he founded the world. Why on Friday do we talk about Hashem's Malchus, about Hashem's kingdom, more than any other day of the week? It's right before Shabbos, and that's Emes. But there's something, it's not only about being before Shabbos, it's about Friday itself. And what is that? Very interestingly. So the world, what happened when Hashem created the world on the sixth day? Friday is the sixth day of creation. Yeah. What did Hashem create? Man, Adam and Chava. And man crowned Hashem as king. Excellent. In fact, the Medrash says that just after Adam and Chava are created, they gather together all creations, animal creations, the other type of creations. They gather them together and they say, Boyu Let us bow before Hashem who created us. And when Adam and Chava come and tell creation, and creation at that point means the animal kingdom, it means the trees, which also have a nishama, a nefesh. It means the malachim. It means even the ground. And everything, it's, everything together bows to Hashem. And that's why, being that man uh, crowns Hashem as king, so therefore every Friday, which as we discussed the last few weeks, every week we're really redoing the Sheshe Simei Bereshis, the six days of creation, we crown Hashem, we talk Hashem being the Melech HaOlam, Melech the king of, over the entire earth. Now, the question is, why is it that it takes man to crown Hashem as king? That's the way it is. The Medrash says, when man was created, he crowns Hashem. But why? After all, the other creations can also express themselves to Hashem. We can also crown Hashem. You know, we know, even though we don't understand the language of the birds, but the birds sing the praises of Hashem. Um, the sun and the moon, the sun and the moon that are moving westward always. So we say, why are they moving westward? So it's brought in Tanya also, based on the Pasuk. That the hosts of heaven are bowing to Hashem. That when the sun and the moon are moving westward, and they're um, and and they're uh, what's the word? Shkia is there? They set towards the west. That they're really bowing to Hashem. Shechina, the of the Shechina is in the west, and they're bowing towards Him. So, in fact, 
I think I've shared the story that one time the great tzaddik Reb Zusha of Anipal, who was a colleague of the Alter Rebbe, the Balatanya, in fact, he writes the approbation to Tanya. So Reb Zusha was once walking by night with his Talmidim, and he raises his eyes heavenward, and he falls down in a dead faint. So they revive him, they revive him, it's not easy. Finally they ask him, Reb Zusha, what happened? Why did you faint? He says, what do you mean? I, I looked up and I saw how all the sun, and the, the moon and the stars are all bowing to Hashem. I was overcome with fear. You see the great creations bowing to Hashem. How could you not faint? So, and, which, and interestingly, the Al-Tarebbe mentions this concept in Tanya. Chapter 42, he talks about this. That one could be inspired to fear of Hashem when he sees the fear of all creations to Hashem. And he uses the sun and the moon as an example. So all creations fear Hashem. And all creations sing Hashem's praises. So why is it only man that crowns Hashem, that makes Hashem king? Why wasn't Hashem king on Thursday when he created the, the uh, fish and the birds? Why is, only, why is it only man that makes Hashem king? So Hasidus talks about this a lot, and I just want to say one point because I want to move on. And it says that in order that there be a king-subject relationship, there is a few conditions. Says, for example, can one be a king on stones? Let's say I own, I have a huge stone collection. Can I call myself the king of my stones? No. Why not? Because what are the necessary conditions in order for there be a king and subjects? And Hasidus talks about three conditions, very interestingly. One is that there has to be some level of distance between the king and the subjects. For example, says Hasidus, if a person has a big family, is one the king over their family? No, we might use it euphemistically. But can one really be a king over family? No. Why not? Because the family are part of me. They come from me. They're part of me. They're children. The relationship of a person with their children is not, or should not be, and really cannot be, the relationship of a king and subjects. A child is not a subject. A child is a child. A child is part of the father. So therefore, condition number one to be a king is that there's some level of distance between the king and the subject. Condition number two is the exact opposite. There has to be some relationship, some symmetry between the king and the subjects. And that's why a person can't be a king over cats. Say I own 10 cats, 20 cats, 50 cats. I'm a king. king. You're not a king over cats because a human and cats is two different entities altogether. So I could rule them, I could take care of them, I could be their boss, but I can't be their king because there's no relationship. So it's an interesting thing with being a king. On the one hand, there has to be some distance. I can't be a king over my own children. On the other hand, there has to be a relationship, and I can't be a king over stone. So it's got to be a human, but not my child. So there's got to be distance and symmetry in order to be a king. Condition number three, says Hasidus, this is where it gets even more interesting, is that the, a true king has to be someone that the subjects have the choice of whether to accept or not, and they accept him as their king. And as if it's only a, um, a dictator, and I force everyone to do what I say, that's not really a king, that's a master. I'm a master over them, I can tell them what to do, I can do whatever I want with them. So that's slaves. Slave-master relationship is not king-subject relationship. A true king is, as the Pasuk says, and we say it in Davening, mm-hmm. when the Malchus is accepted willingly by a nation who accepts that their, their mevatel, they subjugate themselves to this king, that's Malchus. 
So we have three conditions to be a king. To, to, uh, to review, condition number one is that there be a distance between the king and the subjects. So I can't be a king over my children. Condition number two is that there be a relationship, a symmetry between the king and the subjects. So I can't be a king over stones or animals. Condition number three, that the subjects have to have a say in the matter. And they have to choose this king as their king. Now once we understand that these are three basic conditions for the concept of royalty and a king over subjects, so we'll understand why it's uniquely man and really uniquely a yid that has that ability to crown Hashem as king. As Adam Harishan did on that first day of creation and as we do every year on Rosh Hashanah. It goes like this. Why not Malachim? Why can't the Malachim make Hashem their king? Which condition are Malachim missing? So distance, we can debate, because really Malachim are a creation that are very distant. But the, the, the cardinal thing that they're missing is freedom of choice. Malachim, they see spirituality and godliness. For them, there's no choice. Malachim don't have the ability to choose one way or another. So therefore, Hashem can't be a king over his Malachim, because they're, if, at most, he can be the master over them, because they're created to accept him, created to do his will, do his bidding. And therefore, there's no acceptance here. There's no malchusei birratzin. That's why Hashem can't be a king of Malach. What about the spiritual entity like um, the spheros, the divine, the Esser spheros? Why can't Hashem be a king over the Esser spheros? They're not a separate entity. They're part of Hashem. They're godly. Why can't Hashem be a king over our neshamis before they come into our bodies? Part of Hashem. That's like being a king on your own child. Doesn't work. Why can't Hashem be a king on the fish or the birds? Different type of entity altogether. What's the relationship? What's the symmetry? We can't be a, a king over, over cats. Hashem can't be a king over cats either. What's the uniqueness of a, of a live human being? On the one hand, we have a neshama. The neshama makes us connected to Hashem. On the other hand, we have a body. That makes us distant. So a human being, which is a fusion of body and soul, is both something similar to Hashem in a sense of the Yavanishama, which is why we're called Adam. What does the word Adam come from? There's two explanations. There's, but I'll go right to the deeper one from the Shalah, which is Adam comes from the term Adam Elyin. We carry a comparison to Hashem. That's because of our Nishama. On the other hand, but we're separate because we're in a body. And most importantly, we have freedom of choice. Hashem doesn't create us and say, you're going to be my servants whether you like it or not. No. Hashem gives us the freedom of choice. So it's a human being who has a soul, so he's similar. Has a body, so they're distant. Has freedom of choice so that they can accept and crown Hashem. Only that creation, different than any other creation, spiritual or physical, Angels, spheres, neshamas without bodies, cats, dogs, lions, tigers, bears, sun, moon, grass. Only the human being is the one who has all of the necessary conditions, requisites, in order to be mamlich, in order to make Hashem our king. And that's why it was only when Adam and Chava were created on that first day that they were able to gather together all of the six days of creation and say, now let us all crown Hashem. Because through Adam and Chava, everyone is able to become part of this of making Hashem the Melech al-Kalayl, a king over the entire world. 
This happens every year on Rosh Hashanah, which we discussed a number of times, that in Rosh Hashanah is the time when we accept and really make Hashem king for the world again. And in a very small way, that's the energy of Friday. And that's why on Friday we say, Hashem Malach Geus Lavish, Hashem encloses himself in the garment of royalty, the garment of kingdom, which is not only a, a small garment, it's really what gives meaning to the, it's the purpose of creation. We said in Ashrei, Malchuscha Malchus Kolayilamim, your relationship to all worlds is as a melech, as a king, and as us who, who create and, and make Hashem be the melech of the entire world. And that's why when we make, every time we make a bracha, we say, Baruch Hashem, Elokeinu, Melech HaOlam. Through the fact that it connects to us, through this, he's melech over the entire olam. And that's what, again, Adam and Chava did on their first day of creation. And we make mention of that in our Shir Shal Yom, of Friday, which is, again, the energy and reminiscent of that first Friday of creation. Rabbi Silverberg, I know I came in the middle, but you said something about the king cannot be a king over his children. Right. But we're his, Hashem's children. Did you discuss that? Right. So we, we are Hashem's children on a neshama level. So therefore, before our neshama comes into our body, Hashem is not the king over our neshamas. Hashem's relationship to our neshamas is too much father and child-like for Hashem to be considered a king over his neshamas. But once the neshama comes down into a goof, into a body, so now on the one hand it's a neshama, on the other hand it's a human being. And the human being is something separate. But it's not totally separate because there's a neshama. So that's the, there's that fusion of, on the one hand there's a relationship, on the other hand there's a distance. And there's an ability of choice, and that's why we have the ability of making Hashem melech. That is an idea from Friday's Shir Shal I want to move on to Ein Kelokim. Right. Um, as far as the Shabbos Shir Shalyom, we'll deal with that Beli Nether when we deal with Tfilis of Shabbos, which will be another set in Mirza Hashem. But for now, we're going to learn tonight. We're going to learn next week. That's going to be our last Shir for the season in Mirza Hashem. Yes, in Mirza Hashem we'll be able to do next week. That will be the last one. So I want to finish through Aleinu next week. So we'll have finished Shachris. And when we come back, we'll see whether we go to Mincha or we go to Shabbos or we also have a debt of Chavis Alavavis. We'll have to see. Okay, this year might be going on for a while, I'm sorry. We have a lot to cover. Okay, but let's talk a little bit about In Kilikenu. So, before In Kilikenu, there's an interesting two lines, small letters, which, I'm, which I just want to talk about one beautiful idea from that, and that is Kaveh El Hashem. Um, it's from Tehillim, really. It says, Kaveh El Hashem, the person should hope to Hashem. Chazev Yam Slebecha, to strengthen ourselves. We should never feel... Um, never give up hope as long as a person has that hope and recognition that Hashem can save a person in any situation a person never gives up hope a very important concept in Yiddishkeit in Kodesh Hashem there's no one it's the holy like Hashem in there's no power outside of him what does the word sur mean? so literally rock, rock. there's no rock like Hashem what does it mean there's no rock like Hashem? So a rock represents strength, strength stability, um, yeah, just strength in the face of everything else. And Hashem is called um, Sur, Sur Yisrael, the rock of Israel. Um, I believe, <laughs> this is not such a good thing to talk about, but I believe that when, the, uh, when they founded the Israeli state in, exactly. in 1948, exactly. so they, they had to, you know, they wrote the national anthem and so on. And they wanted to write something that on the one hand 
they didn't want to write about God because many of the founding uh, peoples were not very into God. On the other hand, they wanted to create something that they could say there is a mention of God. So they write Sur Yisrael, the Rock of Israel. Mm-hmm. Now, the Rock of Israel, you know, you decide what that means. Mm-hmm. So if you want to attach that that's God, so we talked about God. If not, we didn't. We talked about rocks. Okay, but anyways, it's, it's based on this concept, you know, Ayyidah Shekop. But it's based on this concept, Hashem is called in Sur Kelkenu, there's no rock, there's no might, there's no strength like Hashem. There's no God aside from Hashem. Who's a rock aside from Hashem? That's a simple shot. I just want to give over one shot that I saw. Um, I believe it's, it's rooted in a medrash, if I'm not mistaken. And it says the word, there's no rock. The word sur can also have a different meaning, which is, there is no artist like Hashem. There's all different types of artists, but there's no artist quite like Hashem. What does that mean? So on a simple level, just look at the beautiful world that Hashem made. Can any artist, right, every artist, what's every artist really trying to do? They're just trying to copy, right, make a beautiful picture of a sunset or of a mountain or whatever. Now, so it's all, all artists are really just copycats, nothing against artists, but they're, 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 they have the work of the greatest artist and they're trying to make one small, tiny little piece and make it perfect, which is great. So that's simple, simple shot that, Every artist can never imagine to make the whole world and to make everything in the world. So there's no artist quite like Hashem. That's on a basic level. But there's a deeper explanation to that as well. Which is, an artist, there's all different types of levels in artists. A very basic artist makes a picture. You look at it for one second, you can tell it's not alive. Right? It's, it's, you can tell it, it's a nice picture, but it's not alive. An even greater artist can create a picture that when you look at it, it looks Life. It looks like that's a real tree or that's a real grass, right? It, you know, you have to come very close to to experience to realize that it's not. Right? Then there's a greater but but there's one person who's not fooled by that. Who's the one who will never think that the thing that they drew is alive? The artist. Because the, the artist drew the picture. It's written that there could be such an artist, in fact. They say about a certain person, I don't remember his name right now, an artist in Yerushalayim that lived many years ago, 100 years ago, whatever, and he was such a vivid, he would be able to create such vivid life in what he created that the story goes that he was painting in a shul and he was painting up somewhere high on the wall and he painted in the shul that you see it's as if there's shelves. And then when he got tired, he took his paintbrush and put it down on one of the shelves that he painted, <laughs> except that it wasn't a shelf, it was just painted onto the wall. But he was such an artist that he created art that fooled him. That he felt, without thinking, that he's putting it down on a shelf. But still, even such an artist that creates such a painting, that the artist, him or herself, might be fooled into believing that that's correct, there's still something the artist can't do. Which is to create art that the art itself feels that it's alive. Because the art isn't alive. But Hashem created a world that the world feels so alive that the world could feel alive independent of Hashem who created The greatest pillar, the greatest wonder in creation is that a world that its whole existence is really Dvar Hashem, the word of Hashem that creates it. As the Pasuk says, Bidvar Hashem Shamayim Nasu that the world was created with the, with, the, with the breath of Hashem. 
And that breath of Hashem is constantly breathing um, uh, breathing energy into the world, keeping it in creation, as the Alter Rebbe explains at length in time. And yet, this very painting that's there because the painter is creating it feels like it's an entity for itself. And that's what it means, ain't sayur keluke. That in this world, that doesn't exist. As great as the artist is, as much life as the artist might infuse into their painting, the painting doesn't feel that it's alive. Hashem creates a world where the world itself feels that it's an independent entity, an entity that's alive. How does the world feel that? If the world receives its, its energy from Hashem, how could the world feel independent existence? The answer is Elokeinu. Insayur Kelokeinu. What does the name Elokim represent? Concealment. And the Azal Rebbe says in, in Shariqa Vemuna that equally great to the power of Hashem in creation is his power in concealment. In other words, Hashem's power of creation is amazing. But Hashem's power of concealing himself in the creation that he creates is not less in greatness than his power to create. And that's, again, it's an it's a idea that's expressed at length in Shari Yuchav Muna, the second section of Tanya. But all that is in these three words, Ein Tsayor Kelokeinu. There is no artist like Elokeinu, specifically that name of Hashem, because it's that name of Hashem that gives the ability that Hashem creates this fabulous art that the art itself feels that it's alive. And that's something that we can re- re- replicate in this world. And that's a, a pirush that I saw in these three words of Ein Sur Kelokeinu. Again, on a simple level, there's no rock like Hashem. And rock is strength, and rock is permanence, and so on, which is true. But more than, more than that, in Sire, there's no artist like Hashem, as we explained for this reason. That's as far as that. Now let's go to the Ein Kelokeinu itself. Ein Kelokeinu is a very famous song, or part of davening. Very interesting song. Um, and very mysterious, very enigmatic. Let's think about it for itself, for a moment. The ankle came is made up of a, cu- a couple of stanzas. So, what are the stanzas? First, the first one is Ain. Ain Kelokeinu, Ain Kaldurenu, Ain Kumalkeinu. There's no one like our God, there's no one like our Master, there's no one like our King. Okay, Ain, there's no one. That's stanza one. What's stanza two? Me, Kelokeinu, Me, the same thing. Who is. Now, let's think about that. A is, there's no one like Hashem, there's no one like our master, there's no one. Then it's, who was like Hashem, who was like... We just answer. <laughs> Shouldn't it have been the other way? Right, right. Like, practically speaking. I mean, first you say, who is like, and then you answer, there's no one like. We start, there's no one like, and we say, who is like? It's like we're dyslexic. So Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> you give the answer, then let's ask the question. What's the idea? And we all say this every single, you know, we say this every day. In Kelokane, in Kelokane. Me, Kelokane, me, Kelokane. I just said. Yeah, I wasn't listening. So what's what's chat? What's the answer? The origin of the <laughs> <laughs> So, so what's the what's the chat? So one of the ideas is that that's really as someone just said that's the, the 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 Jewish way. But let me explain what does that mean. That's the Jewish way. The, the way we are, and the way we are mechanech, the way we train our children and ourselves, is that we start with our emunah. We start with the facts. And then let's explore the facts. We don't start a child saying, you know, let's explore if there's a God. Let's, let's figure this out. And we'll spend years, we'll spend time, and, and maybe one day we'll, we'll get it right. That's not the way of a maimon of a believer. The way of a maimon is, I start with my basic belief. 
There is. But this is the MS. However, I don't want to just stay with that. I would like to explore. I would like to understand. I would like to feel deeper my belief. So we don't, when we have children who are three or four years old, and again, I'm just using them as an example because really we all have the child within ourselves. We start with our basic emunah. And then we want to learn and expand and expound on our emunah. So that's the idea of Enkelokeinu. We start out with a basic, uh, with a basic statement of Amuna, Enkelokeinu. Before asking questions, before trying to understand, before trying to explore, Enkelokeinu, Enkadonenu, Enkamelokeinu, Enkelokeinu. That's our statement of Amuna of belief. Then, let's ask. Let's try to understand. Let's explore that. Me is a question form. And that's the difference between Ain and me. Ain is a statement. Me is a question. We don't start with questions. We start with statements, which is similar to Nasa Vinishma. First, we accept the fact, and then we will discuss it and try to understand it. And that's what we're doing when we're saying En Kelokeinu. So we start with that basic statement of belief, En Kelokeinu. And then we say, but let's talk about it. Let's ask about it. Let's, let's look into this. And that's part two, Mi Kelokeinu. Who is like Hashem? Who is like question? Okay, let's move on. What's the next part of the stanza? No, then we say, no Let's thank, praise Hashem. No, there's more thanks more than anything else. After no there is Baruch, blessed. So we thank Hashem, we bless Hashem. And then we come to the fifth and final stanza, which is, Atahu Elokeinu, at, you are Hashem. What's, what's the what's the what's the say? What's the order here? We started off with a statement. We continue with a question. We go on to praise and bless, and then we say we come with sort of a conclusion. Mm-hmm. You are Hashem. What happened? You rep- um, re- um, represents a certain level of closeness. of closeness, of familiar, of of relationship. Right? You is the way one talks to someone that they see, that someone that they, it's a real experience. So really, where we, whereas we started at step one with, there's no one like Hashem. It's sort of a very distant and Hashem is above and beyond anything. That's the Ein Kelokin. Mm-hmm. But going through the five steps, we've come to a step of sort of, Hashem is my friend. I, I know Hashem. You're my Hashem. You're my master. You're. How did we get from this sort of emuna. there's nothing like Hashem to Hashem is my friend. So there were steps. We started out with, again, Ein Kelokeinu. We, we, then we asked, Mi Kelokeinu. Like, who is like Hashem? Where is like Hashem? You know? And then we said, okay, how do we relate to Him? We bless Him. We thank Him. And when we bless Hashem, and when we thank Hashem, what we're really doing as we're blessing and thanking Hashem is making Hashem more a reality. Something that's closer to me. To the point where we say, Atahu Elokeinu, you're my Hashem. We, we brought something that was aloof and outerworldly and transcendent and above me. And by, by asking about him, and then by thanking him, and then by blessing him, he becomes something that I can relate to. But does that mean that we've limited Hashem to being just like my good old friend? No, because we still remember Ein Kelokeinu. In other words, and here's a very interesting point that I want to uh, try to, to talk about, that in a relationship with Hashem, there's two parts, and both are very, very important. 
One part is recognizing that Hashem is above and beyond. Beyond my understanding, beyond my grasp, beyond my ability to relate to always. Hashem is above and beyond. It's important to understand that. At the same time, it's important to remember that I can have a personal relationship with Hashem. Each one on their own is lacking. If one only feels Hashem is above and transcendent and doesn't have the personal relationship, they're lacking. Because Hashem is not supposed to be only above and transcendent. We're supposed to be able to feel a closeness. At the same time, if one feels, okay, Hashem is my buddy, buddy, we understand each other, we're, you know, we're tight. And forgets that Hashem is above and beyond, they're also missing in the truth of their relationship with Hashem. Because Hashem is above and beyond. And that's what's going on in Inkelokeinu. We start off with Inkelokeinu, Hashem is above and beyond. And we always have to remember that. At the same time, through benching Him, through blessing Him, and through praising Him, and through asking, and through learning, we're able to develop some level of personal relationship, remembering that there's something above and beyond as well. That's true with our relationship to Hashem. That's true with our relationship to Torah, with Torah learning in, in, in general. Um, I heard recently something very beautiful. A person, he was interviewed. One of the inter- was it my encounter? I don't remember. But he's, a, he's an elderly man today, at least when he was interviewed, he was, I don't know, his 90s in Israel, I think. And he was a Rav in Detroit some 50 years ago. Not Chabad. But he met the Rebbe. And he asked the Rebbe, like he heard about Chassidus, what should he learn? The Rebbe told him to learn Tanya. So he learned some Tanya. Then he came back a year later, and the Rebbe said, no, how's the Tanya? He says, I don't like it. doesn't talk to me. Tell me something else to learn in Chassidus. So the Rebbe gave him, he says, learn um, the Sefer from the Tzemach Sedek, the third Rebbe called Derech Mitzvah Secha. Talks about the, uh, the deeper meaning behind many of the mitzvahs in the Torah, according to Chassid. The Rebbe said, learn Derech Mitzvah Secha. So, okay, he left. Came back sometime later, a year later, two years later. And he obviously had a, you know, he, he definitely wasn't a Chassid Rebbe relationship. That's pretty clear. <laughs> so the Rebbe said, no, how's it going with Derech Mitzvah Secha? So he said in Yiddish, he said, Rebbe, ich verstehe nicht kein Wort. That means I don't understand a word. <laughs> I don't understand anything. That was what he said. And here's the response of the Rebbe that I felt was a very powerful response, and I've used it many times since. Talmidim. The Rebbe says like this. He says, Abyssal hastu A little bit you did understand. Now many times people say, I didn't understand anything. It's not true. He says, a little bit you understood. In Gansen, totally, versteht keiner nicht. Totally nobody understands. So you're like everyone. In other words, when it comes to learning, we can, all, we can always take something from what we learn. On the other hand, to understand everything to perfection, who understands everything? Nobody. So we're just like everyone else. Everyone, everyone is somewhere between nothing and everything. Somewhere, somewhere in that spectrum. A little bit we understand. There's always place to grow and understand more and totally we'll never understand because after all, it is Hashem's wisdom. If it's Hashem's wisdom, how can we ever think that we'll understand everything? And yet, little by little, we could understand. And that, that idea of how we relate to learning has... I think so, yeah. Beautiful. Again, I saw it... it possibly. I don't remember. Possibly. I saw a video of this person speaking. I don't remember if it was in my encounter, very likely, or, or somewhere else. But I saw, the, I saw him speaking. He said over the story. So that, that line, so that line, as it relates to learning Torah, really relates to our relationship to Hashem. It's the same idea. That there's always that which is going to be above us, 
and there's also that which we're able to relate to. And really, the Ein Kelekeinu is a picture of that. The, starting with the Ein Kelekeinu, there's nothing like Hashem. Again, it's above and beyond. But going through the steps till Atahu Elekeinu, Atahu Adineinu, that there's this level where we're able to relate to Hashem in a way of Ata, of, of one-on-one, so to speak. And the truth is, throughout the day, every time we make a bracha, we say, Baruch Ata Hashem. We talk to Hashem in first person, which is a powerful concept. We don't talk to Hashem about, we talk to Baruch Atah Hashem, which means that, that if we think about what we're saying, we really have the ability to be able to relate to Hashem like a person relates to their, to their peer. And that's how we finish the Ein Kelekeinu, Atah Hashem Lekeinu. So that's as far as the five stanzas. The Ein, the Mi, Noda, Baruch, and Atah. We started out again all the way with the aim, nothing like. Me is question. Let's let's explore. There's thinking, there's praising, there's blessing, and then there's Atta. Okay. But aside from the five stanzas, there's also four parts to every stanza. Right? There's Aim Kelokenu, Adonenu, Malkenu, and Moshienu. And then again, me, Kelokenu, Kadonenu, Malkenu, Moshienu. Noda, lelokenu. So every one of the five stanzas has the same four expressions about Hashem. Let's look at the four expressions about Hashem. And another beautiful idea, and I think, for, I think we'll, we'll conclude with this idea, the four expressions about Hashem and the Enkelokenu. So, Enkelokenu, Elokenu is, is our God. But Elokenu, although means our God, is a special name of Hashem. Which name? The name Elohim, which as we said before, is concealment. Right? We said before, in Sayor Kelokenu, that Hashem is the ultimate artist. So okay. So the first one is Elokenu, then is Adonenu, our master, then is Malkenu, our king, and finally is Moshienu, our savior, the one who saves us, the one who gives us salvation. What is the idea and the message of these four steps that we say five times? We say it in the Ein, in the Mi, in the Noda, in the Baruch, and the Atta. But always those four steps. What are those four steps? So, Elokeinu represents, as, the, as I said, the name Elokim, which is the gematria, the numerical value of nature, Hateva. The word Hateva, which is the nature, is the same gematria as the name Elokim. So when we talk about Elokeinu, we're talking about Hashem's relating to us through nature. And nature is amazing. Now, sometimes people feel that when you say nature is amazing, that's, that's not a, it's not a good statement because it's attributing significance to something outside of Hashem. But that's a mistake. Nature is a way that Hashem relates to us. And it's not just a way, it's the most common way. And throughout davening, we're talking about the greatness of the skies and the trees and the birds and the animals and the stones. When a person watches nature and watches the beauty of nature and is taken by that, a person is able to have a tremendous awe and respect and love for Hashem. Without miracle, who needs miracles? The nature that Hashem created for this world is amazing and is an amazing testament to that ain't sire, to that ultimate artist the one who creates the art of every day of our life. And there's messages in nature. And there's messages also. 
For sure. And, and we could learn from it forever. And, and, and so many people feel closest to Hashem when they're in nature, when they're surrounded by nature. And, and there's so many different ways of seeing nature. And it's all an expression of Hashem, the way Hashem expresses Himself through nature. And I want to be clear, not through the miracles of nature, not through the times when nature is, is telling us something different than nature, but just by nature. Just by looking at nature, we see the beauty, the awe, the might, um, the brilliance of Ein Sire, of that greatest of artists. So that's Elokeinu. Elokeinu represents the greatness of Hashem in nature, in that area where Hashem, so to speak, concealed Himself. But, but is it really concealed? If we see it yeah, for what it is. Right? I've said this in the past here, but I had in, in Machon Alta in the summers, and it was a couple of years ago, and I, I, I'll never forget, I was giving the class, and I said, you know, Hashem is, uh, the word Al-Kim is concealment because Hashem is concealed in this world. And one student says, Hashem is concealed? Where? <laughs> what do you mean? Look out the window. How can you say he's concealed? He's everywhere. Like, you know, I started explaining, but it became odd because I'm the rabbi. I'm explaining this concealed, and she says not concealed. But that was, but that's the truth. Totally. So that's Enkelokeno. Now, what's Enkadoneno? If Enkelokeno represents Hashem in nature, what's Adoneno? Adoneno is when we're able to see special Hashgacha Pratis in nature. Notice, one is just the flow of nature without anything. Just the flow of the water, just the winds, just the grass, without something special. Sometimes, though, in addition to the basic flow of nature itself, Hashem expresses how He is an Adon in His nature. Meaning, how He shows His imprint on something unusual that happened, and I recognize why that happened and how that happened, and suddenly I'm like, wow, that was a direct message to me from Hashem. Not just the nature is beautiful, but that He makes the nature work in a certain way because something has to happen. And that's the art of seeing Hashkacha Pratis in nature. I want to be clear, that's different than seeing Hashem in nature. Seeing Hashem in nature is the nature is exactly the way it is, and I see, I'm taken by the beauty and the awesomeness of nature. Then they're seeing Hashkacha Pratis within nature, that's Hashem expressing His Adnus, His mastery over the nature that He created. So that... I have a very good example. I, we always talk about Purim, that it, 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 it's always mind-boggling to me that, that I remember in the class we said that it's nature. And, and it was like, nature, what? It's a natural thing that Esther was chosen, the Jewish woman was chosen. And then, to me, that's the Hashkafa Pratis. I never think of it as a natural story. It's like all the things that were put into place. Mordechai then becomes the second to the king, and he hears Bixby and Sarah. I mean, it's like, we always said it was within nature, but to me it was like an unbelievable thing to see the Hashkafa Pratis. Because it's where Hashem clearly shows his his um, his, uh, his pulling the strings or his mastery of what's going on in nature. So nature wasn't broken, as Purim is a great example, because nothing in the story of Purim is supernatural. There was no seas that split. Nothing came down from heaven. Nothing flew up to heaven. The waters didn't turn to blood. Ahasuerus didn't, you know, all the firstborn didn't die. So there was nothing supernatural. But nature itself was sort of bent and twisted 
to show something beyond nature that was showing the mastery over nature. Like a it could be a shidduch, or it could be like so many, you know, hashkacha prati stories. Um, who knows someone who always has a hashkacha prati story that happened within the last twenty-four hours? Nobody. Okay, there's people who just seem to always have Hashkacha Prata stories. You think Hashem is more mashgiach over those people? No, their eyes are just more open. Because Hashem does, um, I'm, I'm missing a certain word, um, orchestrate. orchestrate, thank you, orchestrate events. And when our eyes are open, we notice, why, why was I there? Why did I meet that person? And where that led to? And what happened because of that? And then it's amazing. I never would have known if I wouldn't have been, if I wouldn't, if the car wouldn't have stolen, I never would have met that person, that person helped me, and so on and so forth. That's Hashem's working nature in order to bring out whatever has to be brought out. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's just, you know, when you think of someone and then they show up in jewel, or, I mean, that's, yeah. that's still Hashkacha Pratis. For sure, without someone a doubt. Someone else might think it's nature, but if your eyes are open, you think that it's... You see it beyond, for sure. And there's so many... The next level. 100%. And that's, Aden, that's Adenenu. Exactly. Then there is Ein Kemalkeinu. So if we already have nature, and then we have Hashem showing his mastery of nature, then there's a king. When Hashem is a king, a king is beyond the master. A king commands and it changes. And that's when Hashem sometimes changes nature for what needs to be. Like Kriya Siamsuf. Or like times when there is Nisim, when all the natural whatever say, this can't happen. Yes. And it does. And there's many times when we're able to see things that are Nisim, that are miracles, that are, that are miracles. And then, you know, there, there's, there's like mitzvahs when, when you have a miracle to, to, to thank Hashem and bring a special carbon or to make a Suda Seidon. So when we're able to see not just that nature is beautiful and not just that things are orchestrated, but when something happens that naturally should not have happened. And sometimes Hashem flexes his muscle and the doctors say this person has two weeks to live and then everyone's wrong. And the Rebbe gave a bracha or whatever and something, suddenly it was there and it's not there anymore. And that's when everyone says, I don't know, miracle. There are times when the greatest doctors say, this is way beyond us. We don't know. We have no explanation. And we'll never have an explanation. There's something bigger than you and me. That's Malkinu. That's when Hashem shows himself as Melech above them. Yes. Why do we always say that about if it is something like that we see as good? Like, let's say, okay, Chas and I say Chas someone dies of a heart attack. Why can't we see that as an ace too? Like, that's something, in other words, that's something like Hashkacha Pratis, okay, we don't see it as good because it seems bad for us. But why wouldn't that be in the same category of the person that, you know, had something and they did an x-ray and then two days later that didn't show right. up in the x-ray? You're right. You're right. In other, in other, words, in other words, it's the idea of Hashem saying, I'm running the show here. Yeah. You can have all your plans. This is what's going to happen. So the reason, so the, reason, the reason we don't talk about that as much is because that's not the type of mace that we're looking for. That's not something that we... But you're right. They, they both exhibit Hashem's full mastery in the same way. Just like when everyone says doom and Hashem turns around and says beautiful, the same as when everything is beautiful and Hashem says time's up. It's, it's both Hashem's showing His mastery, though it's not revealed good and therefore not something that we want to celebrate. 
because it's not happy for us. But as far as exhibiting Hashem's mastery, it's the same. And you're right about that. It's the same exhibition of Hashem saying, all of your plans, this is the way it's going to be. You think this A, B, C, D, my plan is different and my plan is going to stand because I'm Hashem. And all of that is part of In Kemalkeinu. So really, these three of Elokeinu, Adonenu, and Malkeinu are really three steps of Hashem's, of Hashem in this world. There's a, like Hashem in the beauty of the nature that Hashem created. Hashem in His mastery within the nature that He created. Hashkacha Pratis. And Hashem with being king over the nature that He created. And that's why Hashem says sometimes, nature is not going to do it this time. We're going above and beyond. All of that is Hashem in this world. Then there's Ein Kemoshieno. What's that? If Hashem already, Hashem in nature, is Hashem, Hashkacha Pratis, His mastery of nature, and Hashem above nature, then there's something totally different. When Hashem picks me up, the person, to be able to sense Him and connect to Him. Because amazingly, although there's those three steps of Hashem in the world, there could very well be people, and many people, who don't see anything. Even with those three steps. There's a person who the great, a miracle can come and hit them over the head. They're, they're not interested. They're not going to see it. And that's why after all three steps about Hashem in nature, we need Hashem being Moshi'enu, the one who saves us, picks us up, and allows us to see and experience and feel Hashem. As much as Hashem reveals godliness in the world, one could be blind to it. And this is not just a theoretical fact, this is a fact. That here you can have people sitting in the same room and some people are in every one of those three steps. Take nature. One person in nature feels Hashem. The other one says, Hashem? Nature. The other one says, Nature? Hashem. Mm -hmm. Two people seeing the same thing. Hashkacha Pratis. One says, Hashkacha Pratis. The other one says, Just happened. And even the, mirac the, the miracles and those things that are miraculous and, and the believer says like, I told you so, look. Eh. Must have been some type of fluke. Right, coincidence, you know. <laughs> the Rebbe once said that I'm sure that during Kriyas Yamsuf, there must have been people who said, gosh, that was a very terrible storm. The winds were crazy. Look how that sea split. You know, you, the human mind can do whatever it wants. And you can reveal something in the most open and beautiful way, and a person can be close to it. And therefore, even after Elikeinu, Adinenu, and Malkeinu, we need Moshienu. That Hashem saves us, saves us in the sense that He picks us up. He allows us to see and allows us to experience if only we allow Him to help us. If we want to block something out, we'll never be inspired. If we want to not be inspired, we can't be inspired. But if we do want to, then Hashem helps us and that's in Kemoshi'enu. So therefore together, this is the full Gilui, the full revelation of Hashem to a person. Again, in all five stanzas of the Ein and the Mi and the Noida and the Baruch and, the, and this, but it's all about recognizing Hashem in nature, Hashem's mastery over nature, Hashem's domination over nature, to change it if necessary and at His will, and Hashem giving us the ability to actually see this and experience this as well. I'm sorry? Yes, Elohim. Where do you see that? I mean, besides what you just said. Elohim. The name Elohim is, is always nature. 